storytelling is as old as time itself. Stories run through the lifeblood of humankind. But stories are forgotten as they're passed from generation to generation. My goal with this podcast is to prevent that from happening. To stop these stories from getting lost in the sands of time. I'm David Swiduck, and you're listening to Faded Words. Welcome back, everybody. I have another fantastic interview for you guys today, and then we're going to get back to some stories for the next couple weeks. Uh, But today's interview is with an author who has done something rather just truly amazing. I really, really enjoyed this one. I know I say that all the time, but honestly, guys, I've been blessed to get a big run here of some books that I have really highly enjoyed. Now, this is another one in the young adult classification. Now, before any of you roll your eyes or anything like that, I can't stress this enough that this young adult genre is so amazing because you're getting all of the core, all of the heart of true, pure storytelling. And it strips away all the fluff because as one of the previous guests had mentioned, every word has to hold meaning. Every word has to keep the attention of the reader. And this week I've got an author who has done a magnificent job. We're going to talk about her new book, which is the uh, sequel. It's a second in a, a duology, so to speak, of a story, kind of a retelling of the legend and lore of King Midas and he turned his daughter to gold and all of that. I'm talking with author Annie Sullivan. Um, She's got a book called A Curse of Gold, which is the sequel to the first book in the series called A Touch of Gold. Now, we're going to get into, of course, the book and, and all about that. We talk about the writing process, inspirations, all of that good stuff. As you know, we just kind of let the conversation flow after we start with a little bit about her and where she started and how she found writing. This is another one Annie was so wonderful to talk to. Such a genuinely kind person, and I I really enjoyed this one. Again, I know I say that a lot, but I really, truly mean it. These interviews have been personally very satisfying and very rewarding, and I hope you guys are enjoying them as much as I am. But today, we're going to talk, like I said, to Annie Sullivan, author of A Curse of Gold, and I guess with no further ado, I just want to get right into it. I hope you enjoy this, and most importantly, I hope you guys stick around, check out her book. It drops today as you're hearing this on September 22nd. It's out there. It's there for you right now. This is my conversation with Annie Sullivan, author of A Curse of Gold. I'm David Swiduck, and this is Faded Words. All right, so Annie, this is... This isn't your first book, and we're going to talk about the brand new book coming up today, but you've got a few under your belt, but I, I like to start everything off and just kind of ask everyone, 
why writing? What brought you to the world of writing? And further, you know, we'll, we'll get into a little more, the, the world of fiction and YA fiction and all of that. Yeah, well, I think I started out writing as a young child because I loved reading so much. I actually um, grew up with asthma, and so I spent a lot of time tethered to a breathing machine as a kid, and my mom would read to me, and when she would read to me, I wasn't just, you know, a sick kid anymore. I was, uh, you know, a hobbit on an adventure or Harry Potter <laughs> under the stairs right. um, or something like that. And so I've always loved reading and they've always been a, a fun escape for me. Um, so then when it came time to kind of choose a career, my parents were like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, math and science, not my strong suits. Um, <laughs> so I think maybe I will try being an English major. And then I discovered creative writing classes. Uh -huh. um, and the rest is kind of history. I just, I loved it. I love telling stories, um, making things up, um, using my imagination. I love all of it. Perfect. Now, I, you mentioned, I, I've got to ask, it's just because I'm a, I'm a fantasy nerd myself. You, <laughs> you mentioned The Hobbit. What were some of those early books? Do you remember some of the stuff that really kind of gave you the bug and, and really drew you in as far as a reader even early on? I mean, The Hobbit was definitely one of them because I remember my mom reading it to us. But sure. another one would be like, you know, A Wrinkle in Time by mm. Madeline Lingle. Yes. Um, that's one of the first ones I ever remember really reading on my own. And that one was fantastic. I haven't read it in mm -hmm. a very long time. I need to go right. back and, and reread it. Um, a lot oh, of make habits yeah, work. Um is fun. So yeah, just so many books just growing up that I that I love. Even Harry Potter. I mean, I came out when it was still, you know, when I was still pretty young. So Okay. Um yeah, so even that one's pretty pretty important I'm, growing up. I'm trying to remember now there was a you know Ursula K. Le Guin, I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah. And she had I mean, she's got a number of massive stories, but there's one that seems like they they use it in school all the time and now I am totally drawing a blank on it. Did, do you remember having to read anything from her in school? No, no, mm. I didn't. I was going to say we didn't I, get to read fun things. I'm sure they were yeah. fun. They just weren't <laughs> like fantasy fun. It was like To Kill a Mockingbird, which, you know, of course, great book, just not like not as entertaining perhaps to me as, <laughs> well, as an Ursula. Exactly. Book. No kidding. Yeah. I, oh, uh, it's the Earthsea. Oh, Earth yeah. Okay. Sea I was going to say that one, but then I was like, no, I'm going to be wrong. And yeah, no, no, no wrong answer. No. Yeah. That's the one I remember seeing a little bit as when I was a kid, I'm a little older than you, I think it sounds like, but I, I I've told this story. My listeners I'm sure are sitting here rolling their eyes at me right now, but I was, I was very fortunate. We had a, um, English teacher in school. I didn't know it till as much later. He was an author himself. I, I didn't, he oh. still writes a uh, young adult, like historical fiction, uh, based That's up so here in northern cool. Minnesota. Yeah, and huge influence on my reading early on. I mean, I was reading a lot before then, but he's the one that introduced me to like The Hobbit and all of these things. And we certainly read our share of Shakespeare. And, right. you know, like you said, you know, the John Steinbeck, <laughs> that kind of stuff, which as a middle, junior high, middle school, you know, even a high school senior, I remember reading, uh, we had to read Grapes of Wrath, and oh, yeah. it was tedious. You know, yes. I, I I read it as an adult, and it's it's much better than I remembered it. But it's one of those ones like he was, you know, he didn't he he made us read that stuff, but he also really wanted us to see like he was more concerned about finding stories that would just kind of bite us, you know. Oh, I love that! I awesome. love when teachers and mentors, parents, whoever it is, find helps you find a book that you mm -hmm. love instead of just one that like. I mean, there are some books that it, it is good to read them. Sure. Um, and to know about them. But yeah, if you can find someone who would also help you in those kind of ways, those are the teachers that I love. Well, sure. Cause we just, you know, when you're a kid, I mean, even now as an adult, if, if you don't 
you know, if you didn't grow up an avid reader and now you're looking at it like, I'm going to read more, what should I read? There's so much out there just coming out daily, let alone, his, you know, historically the amazing stuff. So yeah, it's nice to have a, a yes. guide of sorts. <laughs> yes. Well, I think I read somewhere there were like 3000 books that are published every single day between day. You know, self-publishing and traditional publishing and everything. So yeah, there's so much out there right now. That's wild. Well, I've got to say, you know, I've got, uh, I've got two kids. They're, they're soon to be nine and 12. So Aww. they're, they're right in this age where the books that, that you're writing and a few, you know, some of the other authors I've spoken with, uh, Hannah C. Howard with Ignite mm. the Sun, Marcy Kate with um, uh, Twin Daggers, they're they're perfect. Like my my oldest, my daughter, she's like right at that age. And I, I have to say, selfishly, getting to <laughs> doing this show and getting to read these books, it is amazing because I'm passing on these recommendations, and it's like I'm hoping that these. I mean, these seem perfect for her, especially. I mean, I'm loving them, but I'm like, selfishly, it's a super benefit, <laughs> you know, that you guys are writing these amazing books and I'm getting a chance to like pass them on to her early on. It's awesome. I love that. And you're instilling in her a love for reading and it's something you guys can share and you can talk about right. these books, which is, which is great. I love writing books that can kind of cross generations, you know, like yeah. my friends love it. Um, you know, kids, yeah. Like kids who are like 10, 12, 15, love it. Sure. Um, but even like my mom loves it. I mean, right. she's my mom. She has to love it. But <laughs> <laughs> her friends like it too. So, right. Well, that, that kind of brings me to a, a question that, that I, I'm always fascinated to hear. The world of the young adult fiction, how do you find yourself there once you got the bug and, and decided, you know, you're going to do this in creative writing and everything else? was that the plan initially? Like that's the area you wanted to write or was it something that just happened for you? Yeah. It's just always been the area that I love reading the most. And so I thought, you know, why not, why not write in that area? It's the area sure. I'm the most familiar. It's the one I love above any other. And I just, I love the stories you can tell yeah. there. I mean, you can face real world issues like difficult family relationships or bullying mm. or anxiety or anything like that. And you can take that and place it in a fantasy world. Um, yeah. And teach kids how to, you know, maybe deal with it a little bit if that's something that they're dealing with. Right. Um, and see how their favorite, you know, heroes or heroines are kind of kind of facing those obstacles. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I love writing for that young adult world where I can kind of, you know, help give them hope, give them an escape. You know, the world is not always a nice place right now. And <laughs> right. so anytime we have a place to escape to, even for just a little while, I think yeah. it's a great thing. It's the the world of YA fiction, I and I've said this before, but this is something for me that's kind of brand new. I mean, I've known it's been out there, obviously, and I've read some stuff like the the Hunger Games series and things yeah, like that. Yeah. But that I was I was a, an adult in my you know thirties or you know late twenties, early thirties. As a kid growing up, when I was in that prime age for YA fiction. I I don't know I don't know I'm sure it existed but it just never was in my radar so I always was you know given like oh you like fantasy here's this massive you know the trilogy <laughs> from Lord of the Rings or here's you know this stuff and you just kind of dive into it and and you struggle it's you know some of that stuff can yes. be pretty heavy <laughs> yeah and that's when I found Terry Brooks that was such an oh, eye opener yes because he bridges that gap I don't really think of him as YA fiction and fantasy but he kind of really bridges that gap. And now as an adult in my 40s, I look at this YA fiction and I had a friend of mine, he was laughing like, why are you reading all these books? I said, well, 
aside from needing to, you know, read them before I can talk to the authors like you, I, I want to read them. And the thing I'm loving is even as an adult, it takes these amazing stories and kind of concentrates them into a package that is much easier digested as an adult. You know, yes, it's not I the so time agree. commitment and it's amazing. Yes. And they're still just really great stories. I mean, you have right. strong protagonists with great pasts and mm-hmm. mysteries to solve and all these kind of things that, you know, that you can find in adult books, but you can also right. find them here in young adult books. And they're just, they're just a lot of fun. And that's what yeah. I love. It is. That's awesome. And it's, it's something I, I guess I, I look at it and, you know, the idea of writing a novel to me, I've, I've got to admit. I always think it'd be amazing, but I just, I, I never would know where to start. Even. <laughs> you know, it's, it's intimidating to me, but I love hearing how that works for you, you know, as an author, because like you had mentioned earlier, you're taking these real world issues, you know, especially if they're relating to kids of that general age and turning it into this fantastical world. Now you've done something in this series, I guess maybe let's start talking about the first book in this series, because this is the second, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So first book in the series was A Touch of Gold, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And so you did something super cool there, blending a couple different areas and turning it into not only this sort of coming of age story, I guess you could say in a way, but historical, mythological stuff that most adults are going to recognize kids might not unless they've reached that point in school. But how did you come up with that idea? And maybe explain a little bit about this, this gold series and what it is. Yeah. So I came up with the idea for a touch of gold, which was the first book I ever wrote. Um, kind of after watching the movie Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, and I got to thinking about all the cursed gold that they had to track down. And I was like, well, what if, what if there was another way to go about doing that? And I got to this idea of just thinking about cursed gold, which led me to King Midas. And I said, what about his daughter? Because I love writing about strong female protagonists. So I was like, okay, let's look at her. Because in the original myth, she's such a forgotten character. She's just a means to an end so that her father realizes that turning things to gold was actually a pretty awful (laughs) thing to ask for, you know? Um, So I think, you know, that's kind of where the ideas melded together. And I was like, okay, so let's see how we can combine Greek mythology and pirates and just a fun adventure. Um, And so it's really, it's about King Midas's daughter. And she not only deals with, you know, being turned to gold as a child by her father. Yeah, just that um, little thing. You know, just (laughs) normal family problems, right? No. (laughs) But she has to deal with um, having some leftover side effects from being turned to gold, like Uh having golden skin and some magical gold abilities. Um, And she has to be the one to go out and bring back her father's gold when it gets stolen because she can sense where those other objects are in the world. so it really is. It's just a fun adventure. I always call them like Disney movies on steroids. Oh, that's brilliant. Because um, there's I love just it. like so much going on and uh-huh. I, I love it. Very much. Yeah, I would say when you, when you say that, it absolutely, I can see it totally. Because in in The Curse, like you are in, in The Touch of Gold, excuse me, that's, you know, she's dealing with, like you said, all the side effects, the, the image issues that kids mm-hmm. would deal with. People, you know, adults deal with that. Yes. You know, we, we don't feel like we look as good as we should compared to what we see everywhere else. And, and, but it's in this amazing King Midas, this fantastical world that, like I said, the, the addition of the pirate side of it is brilliant. I loved it. So much fun. I love pirates. So uh, anywhere I can <laughs> slide in a pirate, every book's going to get a pirate. No, that would right. be an awful okay. idea. Well, well, then I've got to ask. I know 
it may be maybe obvious because you mentioned Pirates of the Caribbean. So who is your favorite pirate story then, either in film or in, in book? Oh man. I, put you I mean, on the I spot. do love Pirates of the Caribbean because I was yeah. like the perfect age when that came out. But even yeah. like Cutthroat Island with uh-huh. um, I think is it Gina Davis? Um I loved that Might one growing be, yeah. up. Like really anything with pirates, uh-huh. even like space pirates, like I will well, take Star anything. Wars. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, I guess. Yeah, Han Solo is a is a space pirate, really. Yeah, for better or for worse. Okay, yeah, that's gonna right? be like just like the new title of my next book, like Space Pirates. <laughs> this is gonna be a total rip off of Star Wars. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like San Holo or something, just rip yeah. off his name and like you know. Well, you gotta tie gold into it somehow, so yeah, you know, gold yeah. solo or something. I don't know who knows. Right, right. <laughs> There's always, I mean, well, obviously they'll have to search for like a golden planet. So, right. There you go. There you go. So, <laughs> Touch of Gold kind of kind of wraps up where she comes to terms with who she is uh, without mm-hmm. spoiling too much. I want people, if they haven't, definitely go check that out as well. Um, but that leads us into then the brand new book. And listeners, just so you know, as I try and do, as you're listening to this, this conversation, the book is out there right now. It releases the same day as this episode. So please do go check it out. We'll have things linked up uh, to Annie's website and social media everywhere. So you can find easily where to get this thing. And I highly recommend it. But talk a little bit now about the transition from her being comfortable with who she is and, and kind of resolving all of that into now The Curse of Gold, this brand new book, I guess to start with. Without spoiling anything, what is the, like, like how would you explain Curse of Gold to somebody? What is this book about in your words? I would say, so, you know, like you touched on in the first book, it's very much about Princess Cora, the King Midas' daughter, becoming more comfortable in her own skin and recognizing that things she thought were flaws might, you know, be her her biggest strengths. And in this mm-hmm. second book, the stakes are a lot higher. She actually... Yeah. Her entire kingdom is at risk. And so now it's not just about saving her or her father. It's about breaking this curse that's holding them captive or the entire kingdom will be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And then they run into crazy gods. <laughs> run into a lot. Like I took the Greek mythology like up like four notches in this right. book. I wanted there to be a lot more Greek mythology, um, a lot more gods, um, creatures, just lots of different things that you find. I mean, I grew up um, watching the I call them old movies. Hopefully they're not like super old, but you know, the old uh, like Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah, yeah. Um, from like what, like the sixties maybe? Oh yeah, know, at least at least late sixties, yeah. Yes, yes. So I mean I loved that stuff growing up. So anytime right. I can add a fun fantasy element, and I think that's one of my favorite things to do is to take the Greek mythology mm-hmm. that people know and love and give it a twist. So yeah. it has those elements that you know and recognize and that you understand. But then there's like always just a little hidden surprise, like, oh, that that character's not quite what I thought it would be, or that right. creature is just there's a different kind of origin story or something like that. Well, that's what I loved about about this book is that it takes stuff that is for the majority of people gonna be pretty instantly recognizable in the world of mythology. And it it doesn't so much seem to like rewrite what it is. You know, it's not like you're changing these these characters mm-hmm. or these creatures. But it's kind of just, it's playing around with that space between what we know, where it's like, well, maybe there's these things that happen that, you know, kind of explain these other things. And I, I loved how you you balance that so well with kind of the, I, I guess, you, I don't want to say, maybe historical is the wrong word, but 
that that mythology and in what is known and written out there already as far as like the little more dry historical look at it and you <laughs> wove that into these just brilliant characters you yeah i mean it all starts with the research like you research the original myth or you know the original greek gods or different things then you pick up on little bits and pieces and you just say well how can i maybe bring that to the forefront more just twist that a little bit or something like that to give it new life because you want your your readers to to constantly be surprised and not Mm -hmm. always expecting what's going to happen well and i don't want to spoil this but i think it's something we'll kind of dance around a little bit but i am (laughs) really curious to know this in this book there's this one crazy location where a lot of wild stuff is going to happen. Yes. Uh, it's, there's only, you know, it's kind of like this special thing. It reminds me of like, you know, when you see in the Indiana Jones movies or something where, well, if you're on this mountain at this specific time, the light will hit this one spot, you know, where do you come up with the idea for that? I mean, it's pretty uh, pivotal to the story, but it's amazing. It really is. It honestly came up in the first book as just a brief mention. Uh, um, okay. And so I like to leave these little like Easter eggs or, right. you know, little teasers, things in my book. If you look for them, they're there. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, it would actually kind of came up that I've always wanted to put in. Um, there's this thing in the sailing and I'm not, I'm not into sailing, but like right. in the like sailing world, like there's this thing called the green flash at sunset okay. um, where if you're located on a very 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 clear night and i don't know all the like aspects that go into it but if you're very lucky there'll be a green flash just as the sun goes down um at sunset and so i've always been fascinated by that i've always tried anytime i'm like at the beach i like stare at the sun i probably like fried my (laughs) eyes because i'm like i'm gonna see it still never seen it um but it fascinates me this idea that like what what is that what is that about so that was really one of the the main kind of aspects behind this locale was just that whole idea of like, yeah. what could that be? Um, I don't want to give too much away, but it could be an island. Uh, Who knows? Yeah. Could be anything. Yeah. We don't like, so we don't <laughs> want to give too much away, but that, that, that concept was brilliant, but something you just said jumped out at me and it, it, it makes me wonder now when you wrote the first book, did you know you were going to do the second book? So you, you made that reference in the first one as an Easter egg, or was it something that you referenced and were like, I want to do more with that when you sat down to write this one? It was more like I wanted to do something with it when I wrote, when I sat down to write the second one. I, okay. I knew once I got to the end of the first one that there needed to be a second one. Yeah. Um, I didn't necessarily plan it that way, but I got to the end and I was like, oh, well, I guess <laughs> this needs a sequel. Because um, we're not done. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And so it was kind of something that was in there that I was like, Oh, that would be so cool for them to, you know, to do that. Uh-huh. And then it just really worked out that that's what happened. So it was oh, a very, brilliant. I don't want to call it like a happy accident because I don't know, my mind has a lot of happy accidents that I just can't explain where I'm like, Oh, that works so perfectly. Like, well, I think so. a lot of that becomes like your subconscious is always working, you know, yes. even, even when you're busy, on the on the forefront, focusing on X, Y, Z problems, you know, you're thinking of characters, whatever else, there's always that subconscious that's kind of dreaming and mm-hmm. at play underneath. And that's that's fascinating. So that that I love that because yeah, I, I when you said that I thought, whoa, wait a minute, you planned that Easter egg out that far in advance? Man. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I, I do. It just yeah. depends. I mean, I actually most of my Easter eggs are very, very tiny and just pertain to like jokes with my friends or family or different things like that. So I love it. That's, that's, that's kind of one of those things where you, you know, 
it may be something no one else picks up on because like you say, maybe it's a personal inside joke kind of thing or whatever, but yes. it makes it <laughs> so much fun, you know, when, <laughs> when that can happen. That is awesome. It does. It does. And then sometimes readers will pick up on things and be like, oh, I see that. And I'm like, yeah, so, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> so with these books, I mean, the two in the gold series and then uh, Tiger Queen is the other one, yes. correct? Um, now, Tiger Queen, I don't know much about it. So if you want to fill us in on there briefly, yeah, we can, I we would can talk love about to. that. Um, so Tiger Queen is about a warrior princess who has to fight suitors in an arena to win her right to rule. And it's also actually a retelling. It's a retelling of the short story, The Lady or the Tiger. Have you ever read that one? It's familiar, and I'm not sure I, I might have to <laughs> see it to recall because I well, read a ton I'll, of Well, I'll give you and your listeners a quick little kind of yes. spoiler um, alert here, edition of it, because it's a very short one. You can actually just Google it, Lady of the yep. Tiger by Frank um, Richard Stockton. Okay. Um, it's available for free online, but it's about um, a princess who falls in love with a peasant, and her father says, well, that's not allowed. So he throws this poor peasant boy in the arena, where behind one door is a tiger, and behind the other is a beautiful lady. If he picks the tiger, he gets eaten. If he picks the beautiful lady, he gets to marry her and go off and have a happy life, right? Oh, okay. Well, when it comes time to be in the arena, the uh, princess finds out what's behind which door. And she realizes that beautiful lady is, in fact, her biggest rival. One she would never want her boyfriend to end up with, right? Yeah, okay. So in the arena, the, you know, the... the Peasant boy looks up at her and he's like, help a guy out. Which door do I choose? And she, she points him to a door because she knows where everything is. Uh-huh. The door opens and the story ends. Oh. It is a cliffhanger ending. So spoiler alert, guys. Sorry about nice. that. Nice. Um, but it's infamous. And actually, that speaking of, of things that we were taught in school, that is one that I was that I was taught by an English teacher. And that cliffhanger ending has always stayed with me as something that I'm like, I need to solve this puzzle. Nice. Did she send him to die or did she send him to, you know, go with the girl she hates? So. <laughs> that, oh, that is brilliant. You know what? I, I, I did this now. I, I don't expect you to know this cause I, I don't expect that you've listened to the show or anything <laughs> certainly. And, and I'm not offended by that at all, but what I do with this show, I do a mix of interviews and in conversations with authors like yourself. And in the off weeks where I don't have an interview set up or we're waiting for books or whatever else, I using the Project Gutenberg website, um, yes. all those public domain stories, I, I search and just kind of find really fun um, short stories. And I do basically audiobook style readings of them um, in the off weeks. So I added the lady or the tiger to the list and it's right up on top of my list because I think it's very pertinent. So I think what I'm going to do is, if if I remember this, since we're recording this ahead of time, I'm going to try and share the lady or the tiger, the actual story for you guys Ooh, in the next week or two. Yeah, just since it came up, I was like, that that's something that needs to be in there. I love it. So yes, yes, like I said, that story has stayed with me since about seventh grade when I read it. So. Yeah, that is brilliant. I and you know you're you're right though. I mean, especially in short story form, there is something about. When they leave you on an ending that's not this neat and tidy bow, you know, it's kind of open. And that that medium of a short story seems tailor-made for that, where it lets you just kind of step in and out of that, that world, that little scenario, you know, and I love that so much. Yes. Although, 
kind of drives you crazy sometimes when you're just wanting to know like what happens next (laughs) (laughs) and there's nothing else that you know you can't find anything unless they write more but that's brilliant well when when we look at at your writing style um i I wanted to touch base a little bit on this because i know you said you know these are these are your first three books now that to me is a huge accomplishment some people, if the, you know, you look at like a Stephen King who's got a bazillion novels, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that process I'm sure has changed over the years. How has how has your writing style evolved, and and or or even how does it look like when you get these ideas? Walk us through a little bit in in how that goes from initial concept to bringing it all to life. I guess. Yeah, I usually kind of start with a vague idea of kind of the story and the main character, you know, mm-hmm. like with King Midas, it was all about like, okay, I'm going to write about the cursed daughter of King Midas, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm going to write about a warrior princess who fights suitors in an arena, yeah. um, things like that. So it's kind of like this general sort of idea. And then I'm a very chronological writer. I start at the beginning and I just go in order. Um, okay. I don't jump around. I am, I'm what they call a panster. Um, yep. I don't know if you're familiar with that. <laughs> I, okay, I was, I was going to um, ask, cause it's been a, a recurring theme that's been fun is okay. Tell us, are you a, a plotter or a pantser? <laughs> I am a total pantser, which is gotcha. sometimes great. I mean, I love it because it allows me to be creative and mm-hmm. to discover what's happening with the reader, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm entertained, the reader is going to be entertained. Right. Um, so, you know, there's that. But at other times when your publisher is like, hey, we want to see the sequel outline. And you're like, well, I can't write you the outline until I write the book. That's what it <laughs> is not as handy. Um, right. So, so yeah, but no, I definitely, I definitely am a panster. So I just start writing and I see where I go. I have to do a lot of rewriting, especially in the early chapters, because I don't like, I I don't create like character profiles. I don't do any of that. Just like whoever pops up, I'm like, all right, well, I guess you can come along and we'll see, see what happens on this journey. Are you rewriting as you, as you draft? Yeah. So I create a very, very clean first draft because I go back and correct anything. Like if a character has shifted slightly, I I can't keep going forward until I've gone all the way back and fixed that like element throughout the entire document. That's Um, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why that is, but I just can't move forward. (laughs) I've got to say, I mean, it's, it seems contrary to what uh, so many people will tell you to do. You know, so often you hear the advice, just dump that first story out. Then you can rewrite and revise and do everything else. But I'm not going to lie. Hearing you say that gives me great relief because anytime I do sit down and try and write something, (laughs) I'm always very much, you know, kind of in that boat where, ah, if that doesn't feel right, I've got to redo this before I can even, it's like it, it just locks up your brain until you can't move past it until you fix it. Yeah. Well, because in my world, like, I feel like it might change something. It might change how they say something, which then affects that maybe they're, okay, well, she just didn't say that, which affects his dialogue, which affects this, you know? Yeah. Um, so for me, it's like, you have to make sure the character is correct before you move forward because it could change a lot of small things that you didn't even realize. So right. yeah, I always try. So definitely don't feel bad about doing that. I mean, I have a really good friend, Lauren Mancy, who wrote The Memory Thief, who literally has like color-coded post-it notes for like every scene. Yeah. And that would just like... Oh, that would be so awful. I could not do that ever. <laughs> well, but I, it works for her, you know? Right. So like everyone's different. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I talked a, a few weeks back now, I talked to uh, Marcy Kate Conley and she oh, is mm-hmm. she is very much a, a plotter. 
And, you know, she was, she was telling me about like Scrivener and the beat sheets. I I can't remember (laughs) what it was. And I'll tell you, I listened to it and I was sold. I'm like, this looks amazing. You know, from what she's saying, it's, I, I understand why that could be amazing. I just, I, I've been looking at it and I've played around with things a little bit. And I do like kind of the note card feature where, because mm-hmm. see my main creative outlets, I'm, I'm not like a, a writer full time. I'm, I'm a photographer. I'm a drummer. I've been playing music my whole cool. life. And so the writing for me is something I enjoy probably similar to you, mostly because I I've always enjoyed reading so much, but mm-hmm. I really like, even with my photo work, like on my Instagram account, um, I find myself instead of writing just simple little captions, I like to write these short, you know, maybe a, a sentence or two, maybe a short paragraph or two that are like a, not quite a story prompt, but almost like a bit of a story. And then I leave the ending open just to see what people finish with, you know, cause it's just awesome. kind of fun and using the note card features and stuff that helps. Cause sometimes you don't see the thread, you know, and mm-hmm. that's been good, but yeah, I, I sit there and I, I think of trying to sit down an outline and it's, it locks me up cause I get so, <laughs> Uh, now I got to know the ending before I can even start. You know, like, it's so. See, tied Dave, up. you might be a, you might be a panster. I, then. I, like, I think so, <laughs> and that's okay. You can do, yeah, you can absolutely. be either one. Well, obviously, yeah. Judging by uh, well, both you and Hannah uh, both said you were you were pantsers, and well, I think Hannah put it. She's a recovering pantser because <laughs> due <laughs> due to uh, editor yes, <laughs> stuff yes. where they. That they wanted to see things a little more firm, so she's working on that. But I think it's you know, as with anything, you find a, a flow that works for you, and that's all you can do because these, yes. you know, the stories and the characters are going to find their way out of you in whatever way they're going to find their way out, which is awesome. So, definitely. So, so don't feel bad about being locked up. You just, <laughs> just write however I, makes you happy. Exactly. Well, my biggest problem, to be perfectly honest, is I get too many ideas. Not not like story ideas necessarily, mm-hmm. although I have plenty of those. It's mostly too many creative hobbies. And then it's like, I, I don't have time. You know, it's like, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And something always ends up suffering for a month or two. And then all of a sudden something will shift and then I'm doing that thing more. And it's, <laughs> it's this constant dance. I don't know. Oh, Weak, yes. I creative I ADD. Being, oh, yes. Being a writer, I think one of the hardest things is just sitting down and writing and yeah. focusing on the story and staying there because yeah your mind is like what if we did this and what if we did this over here and right so it can so definitely be hard do you do you sit down like like i know a, a lot of writers you read about and, and talk to they say well from 5 a.m to 8 a.m is my writing time or i write better in the evenings, so i write from these hours how, how does that work for you well i would say lately i've been doing it in the evenings which is okay. not always the case sometimes i used to do it in the mornings mm-hmm. um or on my lunch break or something like that sure. um but yeah, I think evenings are kind of the the prime time for me now, um, yeah. which is kind of a good way to finish finish out the day. And I do try to have a goal of a minimum of, of about 500 words a day. Okay. Um, and sometimes that's really hard. And sometimes I just blow past that and write, you know, 2,000 right. words a day. It just depends kind of how the story is going. And like right now I'm in a really slow period of writing, sure. um, which is always hard. but. Yeah. There's definitely things, you know, you can always talk it out with a critique partner and just mm-hmm. like, actually, this this week, I'm trying to like take some time away from it um, and just come back to it with fresh eyes and a little sure. bit more of a desire to work on it again. Because you, once you tell yourself you can't work on it, yeah. trying to do that like reverse psychology, like, oh, yeah, well, yeah. you can't work on it this week. So 
Better do that. Yeah, <laughs> trick yourself. Well, this this makes me wonder something. I just was thinking of this. Curse of Gold is finished. It's ready to go. For you, this story has been done for a while. Yes. And so how do you juggle that when obviously with the, the launch and everything happening, you're in full on now kind of promote, you know, this story's going to hit. We've got, I want to get this out to people. That's where you're at on one hand, but at the same time, you finished this story and kind of moved on and now you're, you're focused on something else already and the next book or whatever it sounds like. How do you juggle that? Yeah, no, it's hard. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, plus I have a day job. So it's kind of like, it's like I have two full-time jobs. I've got the day job and then I've got the writing job where, yeah, mm-hmm. a big chunk of it right now is just promotion. It's, it's doing these amazing podcasts or interviews or writing articles mm-hmm. um, or, you know, even just making a lot of Instagram posts and right. things like that. Um, so, yeah, it is a very sort of stressful time, I would say. And so I think mm-hmm. that's probably why I've been you know, a little bit slower in my writing just because, um, just because of all the other stuff that you have to do. And I mean, people think even when you're like, they think when you're traditionally published, like, oh, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to promote your book. Da, da, da. No, you have to do so much because right. um, some of it does fall on you and it does depend on you and how much you're, you're willing to, to put yourself out there. And I'm not a shy violet. So I'm like, I'll just throw myself out there and see what happens. <laughs> um, but it does require a lot of energy and time and late nights and all that kind of stuff to make it right. happen. Which sometimes, you know, it's those late nights and early mornings add up to a real problem when you're trying to think clearly in the creative front. But I'm guilty yes. of that myself. <laughs> I know I, I run into these weeks where, you know, between family and, and day job and everything, I, I mean, I don't do anything. My day job, I, I work at a as a loan officer in a credit union. So oh, okay. it's it's not a creative job at all. It, it pays the bills, and in the in the spare time, evenings and weekends, that's when it's like, okay, we got to juggle family time, find some time for photography and writing and podcasting, yes. and you know, it's tough because you'll have weeks where you know I'll record four nights out of a week because it just so happens that's where schedules are, and then you're trying to get everything else done, and it's like, man, I, I'm so drained that it's like. All right. The good news is I'm good to go for another two weeks, so I can take a little break. But <laughs> right, right. But then tough. it's going to start all over again in two weeks. So. Right. So you try and yes. keep that momentum going. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, I've got to say, you mentioned you know on, on your on your Instagram keeping that going and stuff. I did just follow you here earlier today or yesterday or something from my the show account at oh, Faded yeah. Words Pod. But I was having fun just kind of scrolling through because your feed is is just so much fun like it (laughs) it feels like i I don't know i I don't want to sound weird about this but it's one of those one of those feeds where there's no even though you're obviously talking about the book and you've got stuff going on it's just so much fun like i'm thinking of the post when you were you're in a bookstore i think with the medusa mask Oh, and, yeah. Well, that's, actually, just, that's actually the room I'm in now. That's actually my oh, that's, library. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I am jealous now. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but posts yes. like that, they're so much fun. And it's like, I, I really feel like your readers, if they follow you on social media, must really feel a connection to you, which is amazing. Aww, thank you. I hope so. so. I love talking with fans, talking with other people, just mm-hmm. book lovers. I mean, you don't even have to love my books. You just want to talk about any books. Right. Like, I'm here for that. <laughs> right. Um, doesn't that, take much to get me all excited about books. Incredible. So I'm always, as you can tell from my library, if you go to my Instagram. Yeah, I'm blown um, away. I, I had to pull it up and look again because, yeah, for a whole, that that looks like, 
I, I would have <laughs> swore you were in a, a like a indie bookstore, like some local bookstore or something doing this. That is amazing. Uh, no, is that I'm, where you write also? Um, <laughs> funny story. It was supposed to be where I write. It's actually now <laughs> just where I do all of these interviews and things because it makes a nice backdrop usually. Yeah. And it's a good quiet room. I could just shut myself in, but sure. I won't lie. I usually just write on my couch or on my bed, oh, Okay, nothing. which wrong I know they're that. like, don't write on your bed because then you'll associate it with work. But that's just, well, I need to be comfortable when I write. Yeah. So. No, I don't, I don't blame you there. I just, I was looking at that thinking, man, that's got to be a pretty inspiring and intimidating room to try and write in when you're you're surrounded by you know tons of novels on the wall behind but you know you. sometimes it is nice literally just open up any book and read a single sentence yes. just from anywhere in the book and you can say i could have written that yeah i could have written that sentence you know right sometimes like he ran that's literally like the sentence i will find yeah and you're just like okay you feel a little bit better you're like not all these stories are like he ran. The breath was like, you know, releasing from his chest. Like, no, like right. you don't have to do that. Well, that's um, still one of my all-time favorite book openings was, was you know, the the Dark Tower, the Gunslinger with Stephen King. And the man in black fled across the desert and the, the Gunslinger followed. It's such <gasps> a simple line. And right? it just gets you, though. And it's it, you realize the power of just one single line. It's amazing. Yes. I do workshops on opening lines because they are so important. I mean, they're that important if you're trying to get an agent, yeah. even if you're just trying to hook a reader. Like, uh -huh. it's important for everyone that you have a strong opening line that, you know, does a number of different things. It makes you question what's going on or intrigues you in some sort of way, you mm -hmm. know, at a bare minimum. Right. How how do you find opening line? Obviously, we think of the first line of a, of a book, but I imagine mm -hmm. that opening line concept is got to carry through from one chapter to the next even right oh yeah i almost think of it as like opening line and like i mean it has to lead you to the next sentence which leads you to the next one and the next one and they all have to keep pulling you through until you get to that kind of like i like to leave like a little bit of cliffhanger mm -hmm. chapter endings like you know like and they just encountered this right and now you have to read on you know yeah. um so i mean i kind of think of it as really powerful opening really powerful closing because you don't want them to be able to put that book down after a chapter. You won't, don't want them to be like, meh, that was okay. You right. want them to be like, oh, what? Right. I need to know more, you know? So, yeah. No, I love it. I, that's that's kind of where I get stuck, like, like I was saying with my Instagram caption stuff. And it, that's that's kind of where I'm at where I just – I enjoy finding little snippets, little things that – you know, kind of are inspired by the photo, but aren't just saying, well, then, you know, this tree was over, you know, I, I want it to yes. be some kind of a story. Maybe it's fantasy. Maybe it's, you know, real fiction, you know, real world, whatever it is. And just see if I can put together a interesting line or two enough where it gets people interested. And, and I've had a few, few friends and followers that, man, they filled in the blanks afterwards. And I'm like, oh, yes, please write this story. I want to read it. <laughs> you know, it's so much fun. That's awesome. And it's good that you're you're helping other people escape. See, that's just, that's what you're doing. Yeah, you're doing may, just may, what I do. Is... I just call it super short stories. That's all. <laughs> hey, hey, sometimes that's all we have time for. Sometimes yeah. if you're having a bad day, you just need something super short to just kind of give you a little bit of oomph, a little kick right. to keep going and keep reading and keep creating. Well, so definitely doing a good service there. You never know to like, like you were saying, just grab any random book and find a line. 
mm-hmm. you never know how often that n- not only makes you feel like you said a little confidence, but it's like I could write that, but also just jog something loose in whatever you know you're working on. Yeah, like oh exactly. hey, that's something different I can do with this, or you know, I love mm-hmm. that. I love mm-hmm. that. Now I'm gonna yes. put you on the spot. Okay. <laughs> what with I mean, without spoilers, of course, in Curse of Gold. Can you think of of a line or two that is like your favorite passage, your favorite line or paragraph that you feel like this might have been the best line I've written in this whole book? Oh, well, I'm actually going to give you one from A Touch of Gold, and I'm going to go with the opening line because it's one that I gotcha. love. Um, and it's oh, to make sure I get it right. <laughs> <laughs> I've only ever turned one man to gold, and that was an accident. That's killer. So that's the opening line, and I love it. Um, mm-hmm. There are a few more in there, but right. opening lines are kind of my favorite because you just <laughs> you, you want them to just kind of draw you in and uh-huh. and really just you know make people question what's going on and like oh on- only one man and it was an accident like what <laughs> happened there you know um, so that's definitely probably one of my favorite lines from the entire series. I love so, it. Yeah. I, I got that idea because. You know, asking about that, both in in talking to you about your, you know, about this first line stuff, but also I I, I remembered seeing as we were talking, uh, Marcy Kate again. Or I don't know mm-hmm. if it was Blink or if it was um, her herself or what, but they they they've been sharing out on social media lately, asking people to give them their favorite lines from the book, which I thought oh, that is fine. fascinating to see. Like, huh, I wonder. That, that's got to be a little nerve wracking too, as, for, as an author, like, Oh, what are people going to say? <laughs> you know? I do it, have to say now being my, my third book and uh-huh. working on a new one right now. Um, and knowing that they like to do graphics with pull quotes, that, yeah. that's something that blink will do is they'll, they'll take quotes. Actually, I, as the author get to select the quotes, you know, nice. which is sometimes fun, sometimes hard. You're like, what makes a good one right. now when I'm writing, I actively think about that. And I'm like, no, I should rephrase that so it would be good for an, you know, a two sentence pull quote because right. if I say it this way out of context it makes no sense, but if mm-hmm. I say it this way, then I can use it as a pull quote. So like <laughs> Well, it it never fails to like I've I've always found in the photography world I'll, I'll shoot like a uh say a, a high school graduation session or something. I do some of that stuff on the side and anytime you have one of those shots in there that you feel like it's eh, it's good enough. It's, you know, it's quality enough. I'm fine with it, but it's not the best one. If you include that in what you deliver, you know, darn well, people are going to latch on to that one. Yes, <laughs> and of course. it never <laughs> fails. Like, oh no, not that one. Any quote, but that one. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. Right, right. And you're like, well, you asked for 10 and I gave you 11 because I wasn't sure. And of course, yeah, they're going to be like, well, we like this one. And I'll be like, really? <laughs> Doing? Uh, are you sure? Suddenly you're, you're selling them on. No, no, don't, right. don't like my work. It's not I can pick better ones. It's fine. Let me just rewrite the book again and we'll make right. it better now. A year later, 10 years later, whatever it is. I got the yes. right quotes finally. No, That's I definitely awesome. plan. I don't know about other writers you've talked to, but I don't plan to really read those books like ever again. Yeah. So, so. once you, once you write, once the story's done, for you, they're kind of gone. Done. It's done. Yeah. That's interesting. It's done. Um, the only reason I've really opened A Touch of Gold back up mm-hmm. is just because I had to make sure some details were consistent sure. between between books. And 
Um, other than that, and like sometimes book clubs or someone will ask me to like read the opening chapter or something oh, sure. like that. So, so I'll do that, but that's interesting. No, that's, it's not that the story's dead to me. Cause it's not, it's just, right. I just, You're, you've moved I know on. I'll be like, well, what if I'd said it this way or this would have yeah. been better. And then that'll just be stressful. So no one needs that. <laughs> so how do you find then that kind of makes me wonder, it, it's the idea of knowing when something's finished as an artist, as a, as a creative. How do you find for you that, or, or I guess, how did you come to that realization when you're writing that, okay, this is finished for me. I've, I've said all I'm going to say in this world, obviously with, with a touch of gold and now a curse, there was more to be said on that story before you could wrap it up. Mm -hmm. Hence the second book. But how, how does that work for you? How do you find, you know, when to finish or when it is finished for you? This is probably going to sound really weird. And even I think it's weird, but I just have this <laughs> feeling inside of like, it's good. It's good. And not like good enough, but like it works and right. I'm okay with it. Okay. Like if I don't have that feeling, then I can't turn it in. I can't be okay. like, oh, okay, this is mostly good. Like that's, that's not good enough. So, right. um, so yeah, it's just kind of the feeling of like, all right, I'm happy with the story. I'm happy with the character arcs, I'm happy with the plot and how things are laid out. I'm good. Um, and of course, I think I would love to do some spinoff novels sure. in the world of A Curse of Gold and A Touch of Gold. Um, but we'll see if that ever happens. So sure. um, it's it's open enough for that. Right. Um, but as far as the main story, it's the main story all, it's all is been done. said. Cora's, yeah. Cora's story is done in this. It's a duology. So, Which, um, how so, yes. common is that in in the the writing world, I guess, to, to have just a a set of twins, basically, you know, two books instead of a trilogy or, you know, more. I think a lot of publishers will push, like if a first book does well and then the second book does like, or is like really expected to do well, mm -hmm. they'll push for like a third book. Um, right. Or they'll like, if you had a duology planned, they'll kind of be like, Hey, why don't we make this three books, right. you know? Um, instead. And uh, well, I totally respect them for doing that. And there was a way that I could have made this, into three books. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, it just didn't feel right. Like this right. felt more like what needed to happen. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's not as incredibly common to have a duology, but mm -hmm. um, as it turns out, I really like, I like writing standalones a lot more for yeah. some reason. <laughs> like I've, I've, because you know, with, with sequels, there's so much that has to go into it. And like right. I said, I had to, like, you know, get an outline to them before I even started writing it and all that kind of stuff. So, right. So, I, yeah. I forget who I was talking to, but they were talking about that in terms of, you know, sequels and standalones where they, their editor had given them the advice, like, look, you're, you're better off writing it as a standalone be, mm -hmm. because if you get to the end and they feel like, you know, or you feel like there's another book there it's much easier to change a few elements in the last few pages to open it up than it is to try and say, okay, this should have been a standalone, but now I've got plans to drag, you know, three yes, more stories yes. out of this. So, and that's the thing is you don't want it to drag. Right. Um, and you always want there to be new character arcs. And I felt like for at least princess Cora, her, her character arc was, I mean, obviously no one's ever complete, sure. but what was much more complete in this book, mm -hmm. um, and other than you start to just get in the same, like, same old, same old. Like, she's still learning the same lessons again and right. again, and, and no one wants that. Right. So. Yeah, and I was, I was just thinking when you, when you mentioned that about the, the duology, 
I, I'm trying to think of other series I've read, but everything is coming back trilogies. Like I remember as a kid reading a I ton know. of like the, the Dragonlance books or even Lord of the Rings is a trilogy. And so many of them right? are either trilogies or like epic fantasies, like the Wheel of Time or something where there's like 25 oh, yes. books or whatever. Wheel of Time. And it's so good. <laughs> oh, it is. I've it's, read most of it, but then I stopped like, like, maybe four books from the end because okay. they weren't out yet. Cause I yeah. read them yeah. so long ago. Um, and it's, that's, that's a series where if you're going to go back and pick it up to finish it, you almost need to start it over because there's so right? much that happens. It just seems like it's so dumb. much that it's I'm like, daunting. I just not sure I can. Yeah. I love them though. I love them so much. They are. I, I, I've read through that series a couple times in my life and mostly because I was waiting for the next book and it had been long enough where I had to reread it. And I did finish it, and I will say, given the circumstances with, you know, uh, Jordan knowing he was dying, mm-hmm. handpicking his successor to finish this up, and Brandon Sanderson coming in, trying to fill those shoes, and I, I can't imagine what kind of pressure that must have been as an author. I- incredible. Hey. You know, something oh. so well-loved as that series and to come in and know that people are waiting to pounce on you for any little thing. Yes. Oh man. Yeah. That would just be. I I personally, (laughs) I wouldn't want that pressure, but I think if you ever get around to reading, I think you're going to enjoy it because I think he does a really nice job. He worked closely, had the notes and, and they knew where things were going. He did end up splitting it out, I think into three books Okay. to wrap it up instead of the projected two if I recall, mm. because there was just too much to cover. <laughs> so many characters. Right. Like, you need that space. And then so-and-so did this, and right. then they did this, you know. And yeah, so many loose ends and story elements to tie up there. But he, I think he really did a nice job. And I don't, are you familiar with Brandon Sanderson's work at all? You know, I have a couple of his books, I think. I need to read them. And everyone always speaks so highly of him. So he, I need to like, I need to get on that boat. It was weird because like, I, I enjoy his writing. I, the only complete series of his, like his own standalone work I read was the Mistborn trilogy. Oh, and okay. Yeah. It, it's got a very unique magic system and everything else, but I, mm. I only picked it up because I, I knew he was finishing the wheel of time and I read that and I was like, well, he did a nice job. I wonder if he'll be like more Robert Jordan, you know, mm-hmm. and he absolutely wasn't. Like his his actual writing on his own didn't feel anything like the Wheel of Time stuff he did, which completely blew my mind. You know, it's like <laughs> hearing the Beatles all of a sudden playing ACDC and sounding the same or something. You know, it was so weird. But he he has much more of a Terry Brooks style, I think. Okay, you know, okay. faster paced, more more accessible, and just really really fun. I, I think oh, you dig awesome. that. So yeah. Okay. Well, I need to like move him up in my never ending to be read pile. Oh. So, well, yeah, yeah, that shelves behind you right now. <laughs> right? Actually, I've read almost all of those books on that those away, shelves. That away. I love it. Yeah. I, I know I went through a while back and had to eliminate. I, I just ran out of space in my tiny little office here. Oh, I was yeah. like, yeah, I had to, I, some of these, I know I've read them. I've read them a couple of times. I know I'm not going to revisit them. Let's just get rid of them. And it's always a sad day having to get rid of books. I know. I'm like sighing with you. I'm like, oh, those poor books. <laughs> right. <laughs> they just want a home. Well, we do. Thankfully, I mean, they, these happen all over the world, but we have a an organization here that once a year they work with, um, uh, what is it? The I'm thinking of the initials, but I can't remember what it stands for. It's it's 
basically an organization that helps women that have been in like abusive relationships and things like that. And it's a a big fundraiser they do every year. Well, this year, obviously they couldn't with the the virus, but um, (laughs) normally they do this big thing where you can donate your books there and then they hold a huge sale over the course of like four or five days or something. And great opportunity to get a whole bunch of books and, but Mm -hmm. also it raises a ton of money to help out some, some people that need it. So it's that, that's what I did with all of mine is I brought them boxes and was like, all right, here you go. You know, and they love it because the more they have, the the better they are, you know, do so. That's awesome. Man, I need to find one of those organizations near me that has that kind of sale, like to donate to and then to buy from as well. Well, exactly. That's the thing. You donate it. And then I came home with almost as much and I thought my wife was on a camera. Right. I know. (laughs) I'm like, that would be a problem as I'd be like, I'm just dropping these books off and I'll just go take a quick look and then I'll come like four hours later. I'll come out with like just my arms just full of books. I just told her, well, they do it every year. Don't worry. I can just continually, you know, bring them back. (laughs) Right? Right? Yeah. It's like a really big kind of library situation. Like you just bring them back the next year and then you you just pay for them and it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. It all works out. Exactly. Well, this this book, I mean, I don't want to derail us on everyone else's book because I really do want listeners, if if you're listening and, and interested, please do check this out because it is, this was one of the first books that um, they sent over to me to say, hey, I think you might be interested in this. Do you want to read this and, and um, chat with the author when we're done? I said, absolutely. The idea, the the cross, you know, the merging of the mythology and all of that, it fascinated me to no end and I am... One of the first ones I read, I've actually reread it because it's been a while. <laughs> so I Aww. wanted to be fresh. So I've read Curse of Gold twice, I am proud to say. Oh, wow. And, well, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And it was so much fun. And I, I just, I really want you guys, if you're listening, go check this out and, and pick up a copy because I don't care what age you are, you're going to enjoy this story. This is so much fun. So thank you. no problem. So Annie, I know I could probably keep you going all night long and digging into all <laughs> these aspects of your writing story, but I, I just want to, you know, as, as we get set to wrap up here, kind of give you the floor and, and, you know, what do you want people to know about the book that we maybe haven't covered yet? And then also where can they find you? You know, what do you want them to do as far as reaching out, touching base, any of that kind of stuff, plug, promote, whatever you want to do there? Yeah. Um, Well, you're definitely welcome to always reach out to me, guys. I'm very accessible. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram at A-N-N-S-U-L-L-I-V-A. You can find me on my website. Just it's AnnieSullivanAuthor.com. You can find me on Facebook. Just Google author Annie Sullivan. Um, And if you want something like a signed book plate, since I'm not doing any appearances right now, um, just shoot me a line and I can probably send you a signed book plate you can have for your book if you pick it up. Um, So, yeah, definitely reach out to me. and hopefully you will love these books as much as I loved writing them. Yes. They're, they're so much fun. Now, before we go, the last thing, I know we don't want to give away secrets, but do you have <laughs> any any teaser you want to give us for the new project you're working on? Oh, I wish I could, but it's still so early and it, yeah. it doesn't even have a deal yet because I'm just working on it. It's so just a, nothing yet, but stay nothing. tuned. I might like pull a Taylor Swift and start leaving like Easter eggs <laughs> in my Instagram photos or something. Well, so just be on the lookout. You mentioned you like those Easter eggs. I thought maybe I maybe the fans that read these books will you know follow your social and they'll, they'll be able to put the pieces together at some point. So. And maybe, maybe I've already left an Easter egg in this entire uh, conversation, guys. So. Oh, 
Teaser. Just think about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say this. If I wake up, you know, or we, we wake up a month from now and boom, just so you know, out of nowhere, you've dropped a book <laughs> like Taylor Swift did tomorrow night at oh. midnight. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Well, if, if I had the following of Taylor Swift, uh, I would do that. Right. That would be nice. I'd just be like, ebooks for everybody. <laughs> I guess that's more Oprah. Oprah's like, you right. get an ebook and you get an ebook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're absolutely buying Taylor Swift's albums. So. <laughs> yes, that is true. Which, I mean, it was an amazing album. So yep. I'll give her that. <laughs> you know, and I, I am not the demographic for it, but I've listened to it a number of times because they, oh. they said, oh, it's this this kind of, here we go on Taylor Swift talked of all things. I know, right? Like, we'll be here for two hours talking about this, guys. <laughs> right, and, I, and I'm going to get made fun of by my friends at, if they listen, because I'm I'm very much like I grew up a Metallica guy and, and a hard oh. rock and metal guy, okay? I, I listen to a ton of music, though, as a drummer. I really just enjoy good music, and I had yes. to check out this Taylor Swift album because they said it's this very, it's different. They said it's not like mm -hmm. her other stuff. It's this more folksy kind of indie rock feel. Yes. storytelling and i was like okay i'm in on the storytelling because that's like my thing i, I just mm -hmm. love storytelling so i gave it a and it's i'll say for a, for a metallica guy a rock guy it's an enjoyable listen it's not going to be the first thing i put on but it's absolutely <laughs> an enjoyable listen so i can see why fans of hers are in love with this thing Yes, I loved it i didn't think i was gonna love it because i love her like pop stuff sure. and all that kind of stuff but it was, it was brilliant. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, I think that's kind of a good place to end it. Like I said, um, go check it out wherever you can get your hands on it. Curse of Gold will be out now if you're listening to this. So go get your hands on it. I think that's awesome. They can reach out and, and see about getting a sign plate from you or book plate from you as well. That's super cool when authors do that kind of stuff. So from a, a reader and a fan, know that that's very much appreciated, Annie. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Oh, it's my pleasure. And best of luck on the uh, the release that's happening as we speak. And uh, smooth writing, I guess I'd say, on the new project. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Thank you. How about that? Annie Sullivan. What a fantastic conversation. Annie, if you're listening to this, hopefully you are. Um, I know we've talked a little bit via email after this interview. You've been very kind uh, to touch base and follow up with me, and I really, really appreciate that. Again, wish you the best of luck on the launch, which is happening right now as we speak. And I hope you guys listening love that as much as I did. Now, more than anything... I hope that you go out, pick up your copy of A Curse of Gold. You can find that, as she mentioned, we've got links in the show notes, AnnieSullivanAuthor.com, on Twitter at A-N-N-S-U-L-L-I-V-A, and the same thing on Instagram, actually, as well. Go check those out. We've got the links in the show notes. I'll make it easy for you. They're right there. Swipe over and check it out. Get your hands on a copy of A Curse of Gold, and while you're at it, start with A Touch of Gold, Read the complete series. It's just two books. They are both fantastic. So check those out. Now, 
Next week, as I mentioned in the episode, Annie gave me the idea and we picked out the story. So I am going to have that story for you next week because in looking at it and speaking with Annie, I thought, you know, this thing is just so cool. It sounds amazing. And I think it's going to be perfect. So we're going to listen to Lady or the Tiger. Um, which I will read to you next week. And then we're going to have some stories for a few more weeks and try some different things out, see what more amazing storytelling is out there. And then I've got another interview coming, a couple more before uh, we get into November. And then through the end of the year, we're going to be full of all kinds of stories. I might even do a multi-part story. What do you think of that? Split out one long story over five or six episodes, something cool like that. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I hope you guys have enjoyed this, as I said, a million times. If you want to keep up with everything we have going on here, you can find us at AICpod.com or simply look up at Faded Words Pod on social media all over the place. You'll find me there. This was my conversation with Annie Sullivan, author of A Curse of Gold. I'm David Swiduck, and this has been Faded Words.